Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to share the latest and greatest in digital marketing trends. Today, we're interviewing Leah Key and Mika Takahashi about consumer packaged goods, or CPG, uh, and marketing basics in that arena. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed, And I'm Andrea McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Musings Season 2. Today, we're joined by Leah and Mika to talk about marketing for CPG. Leah is the Performance Media Vice President at Merkel and a 20-year media professional specializing in shopper media. Mika is an e-retail director at Merkel within the Performance Media Group, uh, also specializing in retail media. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. So uh, just as a prequel, you know, we've mentioned in a, in a few of our previous episodes that we spend a lot of our time talking about uh, a couple of, of main verticals, you know, retail uh, being one of the primary ones um, and marketing from a consumer first point of view. But in this series of, of episodes, we're really looking to highlight some of the other verticals that are are in some cases just as large and we have a really deep knowledge base and expertise in. Thus far, we've you know, we've talked about nonprofit, we've talked about, you know, B2B as a a selling vehicle, and now we are looking at CPG. So to start with, can you guys outline how does marketing for CPG kind of differ from clients in other verticals? Yeah. Okay. I'll start. So CPG marketing is very different because it's, it's reactive. Um, and especially Mika and I work in shopper media, which is helping our brands, um, drive purchase at specific retail retailers. And so, um, we have to really be reactive in real time to what the new shopping trends are, um, inflation out of stock issues. The last couple of years have been difficult for, for what we do. Um, and we've been even more reactive than we have in the past because things are changing so quickly out there and we have to really be able to bring what the shopper needs and, and you know, sh- uh, solve for those barriers and use those insights about those shoppers, um, to really drive our media. Yeah, I would definitely say the definition of consumer packaged goods or FMCG, fast moving consumer goods, speaks within itself. You have to be very nimble. Um, These are clients and brands that people use every day. Um, And so, you know, trends and kind of like things that impact are impacted by the consumer perception um, really influences this particular vertical um, and might is very ever changing changing versus maybe some of the other verticals such as finance or pharma. Um, I've worked in those verticals as well. And I know that, you know, those verticals are fun too in many ways, but CPG is definitely the rapid, fast paced vertical for sure. And Leah, you started using a term shopper. Can you define a little bit more about what that is specifically within like the CPG ecosphere or the retail ecosphere? Yeah, so we think that shopper media can, it can be any piece of media, but it directs the shopper to purchase at retail. A lot of times it's a very specific retailer. You know, we may have budgets to drive purchase specifically at Walmart. And this can be the the physical or the the digital shelf nowadays, you know, because shopping has expanded outside of the grocery store. So either way, we're just trying to get them to add that that item into their cart and purchase in real time at that retailer, either physically um, in the store or, you know, online for pickup or delivery. 
I think like the definitions of like shopper media is being changed every day. Like Leah mentioned, the retailers really found ways to improve their profit margin by introducing, you know, ad space onto their websites uh, and really monetize their data. And so that kind of goes into how all of these like online digital methods of buying media have been introduced on top of, you know, shopper media that can drive people to purchase, you know, in a um, holistic way. So online, offline, and through many other kind of platforms that are now available to, you know, ultimately drive to purchase. It's really interesting you say that, Mika, because, you know, shopper media looked so different 10 years ago. You know, traditional shopper media was all of the in-store media activations, signage in-store, end caps, palettes, you know, stickers on pack, that sort of thing. And digital changed the the entire path to purchase for everyone. Um, And, you know, Mika really focuses on e-retail. That, that didn't exist 10 years ago. But now that shoppers have so many options to purchase, so they don't have to physically go into a store. It's really drastically changed what shopper media is. And we have a funny saying that, you know, the only thing that stays consistent in our world is that nothing stays consistent. Um, and, and that's why it's so fun and fast moving, um, because it, it's literally changing in real time day to day sometimes. So Mika, in, in one of your previous responses, you had mentioned about how CPG is different from other other verticals. And I'm really curious to see how this compares to something like a traditional B2C retail engagement. I know I work with quite a few e-retailers, particularly in the clothing companies, so clothing kind of area. And personally, I'm kind of curious how the two compare. Yeah, I definitely worked for brands who are retailers themselves. Um, one example is the Body Shop. They're a well-known brand, but they're also a retailer with many uh, retail outlets, you know, have a huge presence, like from an omni-channel mm-hmm. perspective with brand.com and also the traditional subscriptions as well, subscription model as well. Um, I would definitely say like for CPG, it could be especially a large one, like a house of brands that live in one portfolio. And so um, it's really interesting to see some of these legacy players um, who have a huge number of brand portfolios that play in multiple categories. Um, And then you also have like the smaller brands that have a focus as a retailer, as well as housing a house of brands. Um, So I would definitely say the scale um, is is really uh, large. It depends on the setup of all of their merchandising as well and how many partnerships they have with retailers. So you could have a wide <laughs> variety of um, setups based on you know the business and based on the scale of you know the the brand. Are there other differences in how you know we approach say a CPG engagement versus like a financial client that we would want to point out as well beyond just the scale? I think that probably the difference is, you know, really being up to date on what those latest shopping trends are um, and what the shoppers are expecting um, and, and following along them along that entire path to purchase from awareness of a product all the way to that purchase at retail. Uh, it's, it looks very different, their journey, right, from start to finish than, you know, someone in the financial institution, for instance. Yeah, I would definitely add to that, that like the traditional marketing funnel that we know it. 
um, has evolved quite a lot. So um, a good analogy is the game Shoots and Ladders. Um, also, I'm not the one who came up from, with this analogy. Um, <laughs> it comes from actually a really well-known marketer um, who used to consult with Coca-Cola. But, you know, really the ways in which you, you learn about the brand, you first kind of like start considering it um, has changed in, in multiple ways. And I think particularly for uh, CPG, a big theme is brand dollars and performance dollars like coming together to create a total commerce approach. And that's kind of really an area that, you know, we're well placed to address with, you know, adopting all of the change uh, within the market. When we come to the point where we're putting together like a specific marketing plan, I'm assuming the various different channels differ uh, a lot or the actual partners that we're working with differ a lot. But how do the marketing plans and priorities differ for CPG that you would want to call out? It's a really good question. The biggest difference is that it is co-branding, right? Because it's the retailer in the CPG brand um, coming together. And so working back with the retailer, knowing what levers that retailer will allow you to even do, um, knowing their style guides, knowing that your media is probably going to live on their website. Um, so for instance, on amazon.com or walmart.com. So it almost in essence brings it as you're working with two different clients because you, you have to make your CPG brand happy, but you also have to make the retailer happy because if you don't, they're just not going to approve your media to run. Um, and what we're doing right now is building out more of these holistic 360 plans for retail. So, you know, we want to hit the shopper in store, out of store, um, in, in every area that we can hit them when they're in that um, right at the bottom of the funnel and in that decision making to put it in their per, their basket. So really these big holistic, it's not the matching luggage, but we don't want the shopper to have a, a completely separate experience online as they would when they hit that shelf in store. Um, so making sure that communication stays consistent across everything. And then we also have to take into account a lot of other things that are going on in the market. So the, the CPG brand probably has trade deals with the retailers. So knowing when a product is going to be on sale at that retailer and highlighting it, knowing what loyalty plays we can make at that specific retailer. You know, um, Kroger has their own loyalty card. Target has a different one. Walmart doesn't have one at all. So, so it's really about, yeah, working back with the retailer, I think is the most important in knowing what you, you are allowed to do in that space. I guess a follow-up question that I have is, you know, when I think of CPG, I'm right, Tamika, like I'm thinking of, of Coca-Cola. And a lot of the times we see this big branding ad, this TV ad just for the brand itself. Do you feel like brands are somewhat moving away from the big branding ads and more towards the like brand plus the retailer focus? Or do you feel like the makeup is shifting at all? between those two approaches. I definitely think that the clients, you know, larger CPGs like Coca-Cola um, have historically had a little bit more silos. So brand teams were previously buying the linear TV buys, print, radio, and we've had other trade teams, uh, merchant teams, and e-commerce teams as well, um, doing the more focused like revenue driving activities. Um, but now we're definitely seeing these teams coming together. You know, also the proliferation of retail media networks 
networks um, have made it easier to kind of like tailor to those brand awareness tactics um, by improving their ad format offering. So, you know, now nowadays, um, you know, introducing more connected or streaming TV buys to kind of tailor towards that previous kind of linear TV buy, um, seeing more direct attribution to revenue as well um, has kind of caused these kind of previously siloed teams to work in a lot more holistic ways to ultimately um, achieve the same objective of, you know, driving revenue for that particular brand or category. Yeah. I would also say it depends on the brand, you know, kind of like Mika said, a a big brand like Coca-Cola, they probably don't have an awareness problem, right? We all already know what Coca-Cola is about. Um, So that national branding and awareness maybe is not as important to them as, you know, a smaller company who still needs that awareness out there. Um, But the really exciting thing that we're seeing is that, you know, our shopper programs are now being funded by what was traditionally brand media dollars, especially in in Mika's world, you know, e-retail search didn't exist that long ago. And so a lot of those budgets, these are not newfound budgets, right? They're shifted from national paid search um, over to e-retail search. And so it's very interesting now that, you know, a lot of our contacts on the client side are not necessarily always shopper people. We're also dealing with brand people because they're the ones funding these programs nowadays. That makes a lot of sense. And you guys perfectly teased up that in a few weeks, uh, everyone should tune back in for an episode that we're dedicating to retail media networks as well. So we'll we'll definitely get into that topic a little bit more. Definitely a good plug, Kaya. Um, another question as we're talking about the awareness component, I know loyalty is also very important to, to brands as well. So kind of the flip side of it, but how are CPG companies like thinking about garnering customer loyalty um, across digital media channels, particularly in a situation where they may not be able to control the end user experience at, at purchase. So I'm really curious from that, like what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it, it's a huge barrier for us, right? Because a lot of times, even if we're serving media, we're driving them to an end user experience on a retailer website. And at that point, we can't collect any data. Um, you know, and we work with these walled gates, talking about the Amazon and the Walmarts of the world. These guys own so much data, you yep. know, and so we're really reliant on them for their first party data, which we all know is even more important moving in the future as cookies go away. Um, so it's a struggle. It's a struggle right. to work back with them and know that our clients don't actually own that data. You know, we're really hyper-focused on closed loop attribution. So using their first party data in the upfront so that we can target people that we know are maybe previous purchasers or your competitive purchasers, and then also tying that all the way back that it actually drove a sale at that retailer. But we are definitely, the retailers are are the ones in control a lot of times, and we have to use uh, loyalty cards a lot that they prefer. You know, if we're doing a Kroger program, we're probably going to set up a Kroger loyalty card offer for our brands. So so it's definitely different. And it's it's, you know, a lot of times it's, starts with the loyalty to that retailer first. We don't want to use CPG brand dollars to drive a new shopper to Walmart, right? Walmart has plenty of shoppers already. So let's find people that we know are Walmart loyalists and let's advertise to them in a message that'll resonate with them that's co-branded with Walmart and our CPG brand. Um, That way it resonates with them. Um, The good news is you do have the power of 
that retailer loyalty as well. Um, and this is really important from, for some smaller brands that maybe they don't have their own loyal shopper base, but knowing, you know, Target has this loyal shopper base and partnering with Target so that you get that, that extra oomph in your advertising is really helpful. Makes a ton of sense. Leah, you already kind of teed up this topic as well at the beginning when you were just uh, briefly mentioning that this vertical has had to be super nimble to a lot of these trends that have been really relevant over the last few years. The inflation um, issues we've been having in the U.S., supply chain shortages during COVID, uh, a lot of like emerging technologies around like the metaverse, probably some privacy changes. Can you talk a little bit about some of those trends, like what's been most important and impactful in this vertical and, and what impacts you've really seen from it? You know, for me, the, the biggest trend that came out of uh, the, the pandemic was last mile delivery and the popularity of grocery pickup and delivery to your house. We're, we're estimating that this is 10 years ahead of where it would be um, if we wouldn't have had this pandemic. Even my grandparents are now ordering groceries and having them delivered right to their house. Um, so that part was really exciting, but it, we definitely had to shift and start working with new partners. You know, Instacart and the ships of the world became much more important to us um, because they had so many new users. So that was really interesting. And the other thing we had to be really, really nimble about is the supply chain and out of stocks. When you're dealing with retailers, um, you know, you you have to deliver the product on time when you're going to say it. And otherwise you get kind of scored badly by the retailer. So some of our clients have lost shelf mm-hmm. space over the last year, like physical shelf space at a retailer um, because they had so many out of stock issues. They're not going to have empty spots just waiting on the shelf. There are, you know, 10 other people dying for that position. So, so we've seen that and that became a really big issue with the, the shelf space in stores. And now what we're trying to do is combat that and win some of that shelf space back because it's so important to be on the shelf. So the, the, the shopper can actually consider you, you know, within that category. So yeah, those were the two biggest ones we've dealt with the last couple of years. Yeah, um, from my perspective, I would say definitely the supply chain issues um, over the last couple of years have impacted the actual campaign execution um, within retail media. So just working really closely with client counterparts to find, you know, higher margin product uh, SKUs or product ASINs, with, which is Amazon language for the SKU, um, it was really important to kind of be nimble with the strategy of which products should be prioritized, which products should have higher visibility. Um, And also, you know, in the back end, you know, a lot of the the times the brands have commitments on how many, you know, SKUs that they need to sell within a certain amount of period. So really these realities are brought forth in kind of the actual day-to-day execution. I would also add that the DEI or diversity, equity, inclusion aspect within CPG has been super important. Um, A lot of the, you know, retailers that we work with have tried to really um, support diversity uh, within their retail media offerings, especially uh, some of the examples we see is within Walmart Connect. There are ways to target the Hispanic Latinx community um, through media. Uh, Same with Amazon, there is a Spanish language preferred program that, you know, Mm -hmm. can automatically translate um, 
campaign creative um, to tailor to that and have options to shop in different languages on their Amazon.com profile as well. In addition to that, I think, you know, Target Roundel has made outwardly facing commitments to diversify their suppliers. And so kind of working with the ad tech companies to kind of make that happen, reach kind of more BIPOC owned like publishers as well through these partnerships have been a huge trend that we've seen uh, recently and, and hopefully more to come and in kind of achieving that supplier diversity goal. It's really awesome. Super interesting. And to Guy's point, really awesome that we're seeing these changes. As we're kind of closing out our episode here, are there any main takeaways that you want our listeners to walk away from thinking about uh, after they listen to this episode? Yeah, I would start with saying that really the merging of the brand and performance and like the merging of the, you know, historically siloed teams is like a really important factor to consider the best ways of working moving forward. Um, I think every single CPG company is dealing with this challenge internally. And it makes sense. You know, recently attended a Adweek commerce conference and a lot of the brands represented there, um, Unilever, Tyson Foods, you know, they've existed for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, retailers are also, you know, pretty old as well, but the marketplace kind of like function of a retail retailer online didn't really come about until maybe like 28, 30 years ago. So um, it makes sense that it takes time to adjust and kind of get rid of, you know, the tensions within siloed organizations. And I think um, just helping clients do that and finding the right connections and translating it into results is really kind of what we will be challenged with, I think, within the coming months. Yeah, all I add to add to that, I think Mika, the the total commerce approach is definitely where we're seeing a lot of CPG brands go. And traditionally, to Mika's point, they've all worked in silos, your national media, all the way down to your shopper. And what we know now is, uh, you know, a shopper could learn about um, your product for the first time and purchase it right then and there instantaneously. So sometimes that that purchase funnel all of a sudden shrinks. So working, having your teams work together, I think, in-house, that way we can be very nimble. That's the other thing in our environment. We have to be very, very nimble and quick because things change so rapidly and we have to be able to react in real time. And some CPG brands just aren't set up to, to make those decisions quite as quickly as you kind of need in this environment. And, and lastly, the thing I'll also say is, you know, be a trailblazer. Things are changing so quickly don't be scared to test out new shopping behaviors or new media tactics. Um, you know, the, the first to it gets those initial learnings. And any test is a good test as long as you're learning from it and improving the next time. So don't be scared, uh, you know, to try out those new things in real time and and be the pioneer with those early in learnings and insights so that you can lead the charge in the future. Nice words. I was going to say, great, great words of advice. Leah, Mika, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I know I personally have learned a lot by listening to you and I hope our listeners do as well. But thank you again. We really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having us both. That brings us to the end of this episode of Digital Marketing Musings. If you have an idea for an episode of this season, we would love to hear it. Just drop us a note at digitalmarketingmusings at merkelink.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe as well as leave us a rating and a review. It helps others find our show. And of course, also telling people about our show helps as well. This episode was produced by Merkel. 
with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. Our team includes copywriting by Anika Schliesman, graphic design by Garrett Rubel, website support by Drew Flowerday, and social media and promotion by Gina Astrop and Andrea Ratner. Tune in next time. And until then, I'm Andrea McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.